2: In today's show, we're talking about the 2021 NBA Draft, including players like Jalen Suggs, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another
0: episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.
2: Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed.
1: You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast
2: Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Bball, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Another show on the NBA draft. Last show you heard was my latest mock draft. So, hey, I'm sure you guys... Um, have opinions on that, so you can always drop those in the comments there or here. But now we're going to do another dive into six different prospects. Um, but today's show, I got to tell you, is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the Spotify Green Room app and find one of our locked-on rooms over there. So we're going to be talking in just a moment to Cody Wright of the Draft Dummies, who's one of the hosts of the Locked On NBA Draft uh, Draft podcast. So hey, let's bring Cody in right now. All right, so now it is time to bring in today's guest, and that is Cody from the Draft Dummies. Cody, welcome back to the show.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me back on, Josh. Really appreciate it and excited to talk some
2: hoops. We had, uh, we had Sam on for a couple of shows last week. We've had Raphael Barlow on for a couple of shows last week. So we're getting another member of the Locked On NBA Draft podcast team on to talk about six draft prospects today. We'll talk about another six of those guys tomorrow. So Cody, let's just get straight into it and let's talk about Jalen Suggs. He seems a lock for the top four. Suggs a point guard out of, uh, out of Gonzaga. I'll just put his stats up on the screen there for people to take a look at. Um, do you have him any... How, how is he separated, say, well, for a start? Is he in that top four for you? And how do you have him separated out? Is he like on an, an even playing field with Mobley and Green? Is he below them? Is he above them? Like, where, where do you have sort of Suggs sitting in this group?
0: Yeah. So I have Jalen Suggs at number four, uh, out of those guys you mentioned, uh, Cade Cunningham is a tier of his own. And then after that, I actually have Jalen green kind of on his own tier. And then Evan Mobley and Suggs are the next tier for me. I do like the argument Suggs at three over Mobley, just because of the position he plays, um, I do think that you know wing and perimeter players are more valuable in the NBA than centers. But Mobley is an interesting case because he's so versatile. But yeah, you you gotta love Jalen Suggs. Uh, I'm here in Spokane, Washington, where Gonzaga University is. That I follow the team pretty religiously, and uh, he had such an amazing freshman year, as we know. And uh, but yeah, he he's at number four on my board at the moment.
2: So he averaged just 14 points. He only hit a well, three a game. You know, almost five assists. The two steals is nice. The efficiency, you know, 60 true shooting is great. 25 usage. Most of the time, when we're looking at these top level prospects, though, we expect them to be higher scorers. And I, I think you know the, the shooting numbers are okay, but he's not, you know, with a huge volume there of three pointers. Is this just because Gonzaga was so good that he didn't have to take on this, on this larger role? So when we look at oh, 14 points, you know, that's, that's pretty low for a top prospect. Is that just that reason?
0: Yeah. So there's a couple reasons. The first one is they play in the WCC. This was an historically great team. They were in a lot of blowouts and two, I think it speaks a lot to Jalen Sugg's character. Actually, he is a very team oriented player. you only really heard great things about his leadership and uh, the way he carries himself in the locker room and watching every single one of their games. uh, He was not out there for himself. He was all in on what they were doing as a program. And it was an extremely talented backcourt, extremely talented team. And I don't, I'm not worried about his lack of aggression averaging only 14 this year. I think it was because, uh, he was so bought into what they're doing. I I don't anticipate him uh, ever, you know, stepping off the gas pedal on the next level. If he needs to be aggressive and shoot more and become more of a scorer, I think he'll do that.
2: So let's talk about yeah. You know, he, he's most likely, I would suggest, going at number three to Cleveland or number four to Toronto. So if he's headed to Toronto, how is the fit with him and Fred Van Vliet? Because that's yeah, you know, that's the other pro- the other guy who's going to be you know, entrenched in that backcourt. Uh, we'll start with that one. So how would he fit with a Fred Van Vliet backcourt?
0: I think it would be great. I know that Nick Nurse has talked about wanting you know, some taller guys in the backcourt with Lowry and Van Vliet and Malachi Flynn all being so small. Suggs is obviously much bigger than them around four. but the thing with him and Van Vliet is they both won't give up anything defensively. We know Fred gets after it on that end for being so small, and Jalen Suggs is going to be a bulldog on that side of the floor. Uh, the Drew Holiday comp is thrown around some. I know that's one that Sam likes at the draft dummies. Um, so I think it would be a great fit. Uh, I think the three-pointer is gonna be you know, the big thing with him like it is with a lot of prospects, but it's something he's shown flashes. I really like the jump shot. Uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that some more, but uh, I, I like the fit next to Fred VanVleet. You would have two very team-oriented very skilled and very tough-minded defensive guards in your backcourt, I think that would be great for Toronto.
2: So how does it work in Cleveland then? Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, they are the starting backcourt there. Garland took big steps forward this season. Sexton sort of established himself as a high-efficiency shooting guard. So we had, would Suggs be better than Garland? Would they? Could they play Suggs and Garland together? How would Suggs and Sexton go? Could they run a three-man rotation? Like How would that work?
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting uh, point with Cleveland here. And if they want Suggs, Colin Sexton, you get a lot of different opinions on him. And to his credit, he's been very efficient so far in his career. Uh, But from what I've heard and the kind of the rumors and buzz we get as fans is that Cleveland might be shopping him a little. I don't know if that's true. But at that point in the draft, I'm a big fan of best player available. And if they want Jalen Suggs, go ahead and take him. And you can let that backcourt sort itself out. I do think long-term, I would prefer Jalen Suggs over Colin Sexton. Uh, That's just me personally. So if he's your guy, take him and, you know, it will take care of itself, whether it comes through trading or, you know, if they they run one of them off the bench for a few years. But yeah, if Jalen Suggs is your guy, you take him and and you make it work.
2: Is his shooting good enough to be a a guy that plays off ball for, say, 50 60% of the time?
0: Yeah, that's that's going to be the thing with him is the, the catching and shooting playing off ball. He was 93rd percentile off dribble jumpers. And I don't think that's a fluke from last year. Uh, if you watch the film and watch him shoot, he is super comfortable off the dribble. His mechanics are very consistent. His base is very consistent. Uh, but yeah, playing off ball, if you were to play with the Darius Garland or anyone else, I know he can do it defensively. He'll be able to guard up. And I know at Gonzaga, he wasn't on the ball all the time with Ryan Nembhard and uh, or Andrew Nemhardt and uh, uh, Joel Yai. So I think he can do it, but that being able to stretch the floor and catch and shoot is going to be kind of that swing skill for him. And I have faith in the jump shot. I, I like it. Like I said, the mechanics are great. Uh, I, I believe in him too and his work ethic. And so I think he flashed enough this last year at Gonzaga to, to
2: demonstrate that he'll be a capable shooter. I tell you what's flashed quite a lot, Cody, and that is Built Bar, because those flavors are unbelievable. Over at Built Bar, not only are these healthy bars for you—not the your standard traditional protein bar that tastes like something you scraped off the bottom of your shoe—these are bars that taste like a candy bar. What's your favorite flavor of Built Bar?
0: The cherry barcia.
2: Really interesting. Sure. Okay, so my favorite, I'd probably lean more towards the coconut or like the raspberry as well, but that's why we all have our different flavors. So you can go get a box of your favorite flavor. But if you don't even know what your favorite flavor is, grab a mixed box. There's 18 bars in that, nine flavors, two of each. So you get to try them and figure out which one is your favorite. And most of these flavors have 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. And you'll get 15% off your first order the promo
1: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: All right, so now it's time to move into another Jalen, which we're never going to avoid Jalens in this draft, apparently. (laughs) So let's move on to another Jalen in this draft. This one is Jalen Johnson who played for Duke, a 6 9 forward. Let's put his numbers up on the screen. A guy with, uh, I guess, a level of controversy surrounding him at the moment. 11 points, six rebounds. The steal and block numbers look really good. 52% shooting, but um, yeah, 63 from the line. High usage, high true shooting, but you're some, I don't know, character concerns is the right thing to say. I guess yeah, the fact that he only played 13 games and 21 minutes a night is a little bit concerning, but What is he as a player like? How worried are you about the the fact that he only played those thirteen games um, and these so called character concerns, or even your concerns about his game overall?
0: Yeah, so personally, I see both sides of the argument uh, for him. You know, foregoing the rest of the season, quitting the rest of the season, however you want to put it, uh, to focus on the draft. I get that. There's a lot of money at stake, life-changing money for these young, these young men and their families. And then I also get, you know, the argument, you know, finishing what you started. You heard a lot of talk about that with Zion after he had that little injury at Duke. And he said like, no, like I committed to my teammates, to the coaching staff, to this university, I'm going to finish out the year. Everything will be fine. And so I I do get both sides. Um, I wouldn't let it affect me too much. i I would more look at his talent and then meet him in person and and make those judgments for yourself based off his character. But as far as his game, he is one of the more intriguing prospects. Another one with, you know, vastly different opinions. Uh, I am not as high on him as some others, but you can't deny that he has the baseline physical tools at six, nine over 220 pounds moves really well and uh, is very, very athletic. So you can't, can't deny that wing uh, profile there.
2: So he shot 44% from three. So if you just look at those numbers, you go, ah, okay, well, that's excellent. Um, it was on under 1.4 attempts per game. He only made 0. 6 threes So how real is the shooting form for him? Because you know, we talk about that being a swing school. Defensively, I think he's going to be fine. Movement-wise, fine. He's a pretty good passer, which we'll talk about in a second. But what's this shooting? Where are we at? Is it 63% from the line, the, the, the issue, or the 44% from three? Like, which one of those is more real?
0: Yeah, the the percentage from the line, no doubt. Uh, the three-point shooting, like you said, he was 8 of 18 on the year, so that 44% comes with a major caveat. And he struggled to shoot it at the line. He doesn't look as comfortable as you, know, you would think seeing that 40, 44%, not at all. And, yeah, another guy where his swing skill is going to be the ability to at least knock down catch-and-shoot threes. I like the form, there's no major mechanical problems. Uh, he's flashed putting the ball on the deck and getting to his spot some. It just, it's gonna come with consistency and reps, you know, over and over. And if you believe in him being able to knock down, I like his shot. Uh, I think he'll get get there to a respectable level. Then he's totally worth, you know, that that lottery pick because like we said, with the physical tools, if the jump shot comes, he'll be a great steal for someone.
2: What do we make of his passing? Like, what level of pass are we talking? Because having a guy that's 6'9", 6'10", playing at the four uh, with an ability to pass is obviously important and can be a real game changer for teams. Like, is he a guy that you want the ball in his hands? Is he, say, analogous to the way that, you know, Josh Smith used to be able to pass from that position? Like, what sort of a player is he in terms of ball in hand?
0: Yeah, so again, he'll need to improve more consistency like the jump shot. But with that being said, his passing was the most fun part of watching his film and breaking down his game. He has some really impressive reads where he gets deep into the paint. You always want to get the ball into the paint and he'll, he'll have some pretty incredible passes back to the weak side shooters where his body is contorted. Uh, If he didn't have his frame and that strength, he wouldn't have been able to throw some of these passes at all. Uh, But some of his vision on them is pretty remarkable where I'm watching the film and I didn't see him seeing that play at all and he'll make it. And so that's the most fun uh, I've had watching him and, kind of learning about his game is that he does have kind of that unteachable factor for a 19 year old, where he can recognize where the defense breaks down and he'll zip a pass out to an open shooter on time and on target. It just got to be more consistent Sometimes he'll leave his feet on those drives and he'll be looking for someone and and can't find them and ends up with a silly pass, turnover, or travel, or whatnot. But uh, I believe in his passing. I like the Josh Smith uh, name you brought up. Pretty similar with their size and their ability to get into the paint and then find the open shooter.
2: Let's go on to the next guy we're going to talk about here. And this is Bones Highland, Nation Highland of VCU, a six foot three guard. He's 20 years of age, sophomore for VCU. He averaged almost 20 points per game. He had almost three threes per game, almost averaged two steals per game as well. Elite free throw shooting, high usage, high true shooting. Um, really stepped it up from a, a freshman averaging nine points per game in 20, 21 minutes a night. He yeah, stepped it up to become a huge part of what VCU was doing, improved his free throws in an, an astonishing amount. Hit 37% from threes on almost eight attempts per game. So some really big numbers from Highland. Um, A really high-level shot creator and and difficult shot maker. But is there anything else to his game? Like what else? Okay, offensively, we'll talk defense in a sec. Is there anything else he can do apart from being this high-level shot creator? Can he create for others? Does he just need the ball in his hands the whole time? What is his sort of NBA role looking like?
0: Yeah, so at VCU, uh, only 2.1 assists per game, as you noted there. Uh, but that wasn't necessarily his role. Watching the draft combine scrimmage, actually, uh, he was running you know, a bit more of a point guard at times where the ball was in his hands. And he's got exceptional vision and passing, actually, in my opinion. So I think with more of an emphasis on creation for others, uh, he's going to be able to leverage that pull-up shooting to get by guys and then find the open man. So I really like him at the next level, either as a combo guard or someone that's going to transition more into the point guard role. Uh, I, I like his playmaking upside. I think he'll be – or I should say I have no
2: worries about it. Because he is more uh, point guard size. And he's, he's 6'3", he's only 170 mm-hmm. pounds. So he's not particularly big to be a an NBA 2 so, you know, smaller than Jalen Suggs, who we talked about already. Um, yeah, a negative assist to turnover ratio is not a great thing. Um, but as you said, some, uh, there's a lot of context with you know, the teammates and what he's asked to do on this team. But what about on the other side of the ball? Defensively, he's generating two steals per game. So that immediately just gets your attention. Is he a, a guy that is a gambler to get those steals or is he just a really good defender?
0: Yeah, so he's kind of one of those interesting defensive prospects where, He is sort of a high event player on that end of the floor. He does a really good job of having active hands, playing the passing lanes, disrupting ball handlers, Uh, even just on fast breaks or out of bounds. He seems to be the guy that's, you know, throwing off the inbounder by acting like he's jogging back before he turns around and comes up with a deflection or a steal. But then on the other side of it is there was some times where he was kind of lazy or just not really engaged defensively carrying such an offensive load and then uh, his size that you mentioned he's not the most stout guy he's he's tough at times but he's not a jalen suggs where he can really battle with guys i think some of that size will be a limiting factor defensively for him so i don't really see him too as like a huge positive but not not a terrible negative. Like I said, he does make stuff happen out there. He's a high event player, even defensively.
2: Do you think he's a first round player?
0: I like Bones Highland in the first round. Yeah. I think you got to get as much shot making as you can. That's the most important skill there is in basketball. And he no, no question he has that. So I have him graded out as a first round prospect.
2: Um, yeah, so it is. Getting that shot creation is a huge thing. I had him first round in my mock draft, uh, my last show on, on Friday at the end of the first round there, and I do think that that is you know, something that team should be looking pretty closely at. But now it's time for me to tell you about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can bet on all other sports at BetOnline as well and get the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs. Before that next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Use our promo code LOCKEDON and head to the website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline are your online sportsbook experts.
1: part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Let's go to the next guy on our list here, Cody, and it is Davion Mitchell, who you will see you know, extraordinarily high in some areas in terms of draft boards on the lottery show. I think Jay Billis had him as his number five overall prospect, um, but let's just get some numbers here out of the way for Mitchell. In college for four years, one of those years he didn't play as he transferred, Um He's 22 years of age, he is only 6 foot 2. He is uh you know weighs about 205 pounds. Uh, he averaged 14 points per game. He hit two threes per game and did that at 45%, but you know I think it's worth mentioning that he was at 32 the year before that and 29 as a freshman at Auburn. He averaged 1.9 steals, so a really good defender cannot hit free throws, a career 66% free throw guy across his three years in college. And really, you know, that high true shooting of 62% is on the back of that high three-pointers and hitting his twos at a high level too. Um, But really sort of stepped it up this season to be this elite defensive type player. But it feels like when I see mock drafts or people talking about the draft, and maybe you have this opinion too. So we haven't discussed this prior in terms of Mitchell. But a lot of people just saying, well, you know, he's ready-made. So let's take him at number seven to the Warriors because they need a player who's NBA ready now. Whereas guys who have been in college for four years, I have extreme skepticism about drafting them that high because again, he's sort of flashed it for one year when he was three, four years older than a lot of players. Am I off on that skepticism? I just, that, that narrative of like, oh, he's older, he's NBA ready. It just does not it doesn't seem to come to fruition enough for me to believe it every time.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I try not to buy into narratives. I try to look at each individual prospect and their skills and their context and their situations. And uh, so it kind of depends on the player. You see a guy like Malcolm Brogdon come on, come in as a very, you know, seasoned college vet and step in right away and have a productive career. But for every one of Malcolm Brogdon there is out there, there's, others that are have the same thing said they're they're ready to play day one but it doesn't work out because they're not skilled enough they're already 22 23 years old so yeah it's kind of dependent on the player uh i'll just say this i love davian mitchell uh i do not like him as much as a lot of people that have him like top eight which there's quite a few and that's fine i get why i get the arguments but i do not like him quite that much
2: so what about the shooting like 45% 45% is is great from three. Like, it's astonishing. Almost five returns per game. If we looked at him after his sophomore season at Baylor, he hit 32%, you would go, uh, the shooting's a real problem. Can't hit free throws still. Like, to me, the fact that he can't hit free throws across three seasons and he couldn't hit threes until this last year makes me think that, you know, these five data points versus one would tell me he's not a reliable shooter. But you, maybe you have a different thought of that.
0: No, I'm with you 100%. Uh, I think you got to or we'll have to see how it shakes out in the NBA to get, you know, a more accurate representation of a shot. I hope that it's real improvement. I hope he continues to shoot, you know, 40% from three. He's not going to shoot 45%. But I'm with you. We have multiple seasons. If you look at the data as a whole and watch the film, the tape as a whole, uh, he is not as good of a shooter as he demonstrated for this, you know, 30-something game season this year. Uh, and the biggest indicator of that for me is the free throws I wish he would have shot over 80 percent this year but he's still struggling to make the freebies at the line uh, I need to see you know that level of shooting for a longer period of time before i give him credit for it
2: so he's going to come in yeah you know, with his calling card being on defense he showed some improved passing last season but you know when we look at that sort of a a player who is quite small yeah you know, how does he guard NBA players at his size is he a player that can come in and have a Patrick Beverly level defensive impact, and is that worth a top seven, top eight, like, is, is he that good of a defender? Like, where where are you sort of positioning him in the draft? Because he's all over the place. And yeah, you know, whenever I cause I did my yeah you know, my first mock draft and didn't have him in the in the lottery, and people were you know, upset about that. Um, and then in in my latest mock draft, I had him just sneaking in at number fourteen. Like, do you think that that's fair, or are you just like no? Like, at this age, at this size, with this shooting concern, I'm not even con- you know sure he's a lottery um, pick.
0: If you buy the shooting being solid maybe not 45% but if you buy him shooting you know 38% from 3 i have him i'd say up to like the 10 12 range but i'm not so convinced about that especially uh, off the dribble over multiple seasons so i he's kind of fluctuated for me generally between 14 and 20 depending on how i'm feeling
2: Again, people sometimes at this age and with this skill set can develop into good NBA players and Brogdon's a great example of that. But yeah, the history of that tells us it's just not all that likely. So, you know, the shooting is going to be huge but and there are going to be teams and uh, I'm looking, you know, if Washington was at pick eight, they'd definitely be someone who would be interested in, uh, in getting him, uh, I would imagine. Um, teams may overreach and it is something just to, to keep an eye on. Let's move on to the next player now, Miles McBride. The, let's bring his numbers up. The uh, guard from West Virginia, 20 years of age, six foot two guard from West Virginia. Is McBride a guy that can push as a first round player? I think he averaged 16 points per game, 1.63s. He hit his free throws Yeah, not a high usage guy, but another guy with big steal numbers. Is he a first round type of player?
0: Yeah. So Sam and I both at the Draft Dummies, we love Miles McBride and both grade him as a round one player. Uh, he had really good length measurements at the combine. He is a little undersized around 6'2", but he's really long. And, you know, we were just talking about Mitchell and how tough he is defensively. McBride is right there with him as just being, a, you know, a beast defensively. He can guard guys bigger than him using his frame, his strength, his length, and just his quick hands and and defensive IQ. So I really like Miles McBride, similar to Mitchell here in that, the, the three point shot, how much do you trust the numbers from last year really depends on how high you have them?
2: Yeah, at least he was able to pair that improved three-point shooting with imp- improved free-throw shooting as well. And honestly, when right. you get that sort of combination going, it is a little bit more trustworthy. So he went from a 75 free-throw guy to 81 between his freshman and sophomore year, and his three-pointers went from 30 to 41. So getting that improvement, that's like the Brandon Ingram special, That that is a little bit more um, comforting. He also was able to improve his playmaking numbers. He averaged almost five assists per game uh, in, that, in that step up into a larger role with West Virginia. Is he... A, a one can you trust him to run an NBA offense yeah I think
0: at times you can I don't know if he's anyone's long-term answer at the one I don't know you know if he had more Sharif Cooper in him playmaking wise then yes but he doesn't but we've seen teams roll out you know smaller backcourts as long as one of them like Toronto comes to mind again at least one of them can guard up and is really tough defensively and then can knock down you know shots and keep the, the defense honest by being able to spread the floor a little bit. So I could see him being more of a combo guard uh, than being like the engine of the offense.
2: He also um, measured out with a pretty large wingspan, like a plus seven, uh, six, eight, six, nine wingspan, which is obviously a pretty big number for a six foot two guy, which helps him defensively. Um, mm-hmm. And with a, that big steal rate that he was able to to generate. So you're big on, on McBride. do you Do you have him higher than Mitchell? Uh, I do not have
0: him higher than Mitchell at this point, but it's that's an interesting little case study. If you break them down, I could see if if someone had McBride higher than Mitchell, being that he's younger, the shooting seems uh, more real to me. At least I could I could see the argument for someone having McBride over him. But the the one thing I love about Deuce too is when you listen to Bob Huggins or teammates or anyone talk about him. Uh, People just rave about his competitiveness and his toughness, and I love that from these 6'2 guards uh, that you know are just going to get after it. They're going to be a team player. They're going to contribute to winning, so I, I could totally see the argument for McBride around Davian Mitchell, but as of right now, I don't have him quite that high.
2: Last guy we're going to talk about today is uh, BJ Boston, Brandon Boston Jr. from Kentucky, a guy who came in with a pretty big reputation coming into Kentucky and, uh, and struggled. As a lot of players do at Kentucky with the talent around them and fitting into the system and all that sort of stuff, he averaged just 11 points. His shooting numbers are horrendous. Under 45, true shooting, 36% from the field. He averaged only 1.6 assists. The Defensive um, numbers, the steals are, are pretty solid, but just the fact that he played 30 minutes is good, but those shooting numbers are, are really rough. What do we make of Boston again, who came in with really high pedigree and high reputation and seemed to have lost quite a bit of value over the course of the season?
0: Yeah. BJ Boston is such a tough one for me because a lot of times say a guy with his size, his physical tools, his reputation out of Sierra Canyon, going to Kentucky, if they come in and have a, you know, a bad shooting year and shoot 41% from the field and 33% from three, uh, I'd be a little less, uh, apt to worry about it. But as you mentioned, the shooting was really bad. And so, you start to wonder about the talent level. If, if he were more talented, I would believe that those numbers would at least be, you know, closer to the 40% from the field range, but yeah, 35 and 30 with the true shooting percentage and yeah, the mid forties, it's, it's not great. So he's been a really tough one for me. He looks the part. We'll say that he has the physical tools. He has the handle. He can create his own shot, but uh, that. The jumpers are gonna to have to fall as we know it's a make or miss league, and for him, he's just gonna to have to put the ball on the hoop.
2: So a, a guy that, you know, you can tell me this is right or wrong, but you know, in terms of those shooting numbers that who, who looks the part like okay, a cam reddish, yeah, you know, who has never really been able to put that shooting together, is that a fair a fair comparison in the terms of the way that they play or you know, reddish is Probably, almost definitely a better defender than Boston um, and and a higher level prospect at at this point. But is that shooting concern pretty similar?
0: Yeah, I actually like that little comparison there. Yeah, because that was the thing with Reddish too. He shot really poorly at Duke and I don't even think it was close to this poorly as BJ Boston did. Um, But yeah. The the upside there them is their physical tools and Reddish is really bought in on the defensive end and that's kind of what I have for BJ Boston. He's gonna have to buy in on that end completely and hope and wait and work for that shot to come around. If not, then it's gonna be a, a major uphill climb for him. Can he pass? Yeah, he's got a little bit of playmaking to him, especially if you go back and watch the AAU and uh, high school days. He. He does have that. The numbers weren't great for him at Kentucky in that field or in that area as well. But if you watch the tape, you you can see he has some of that it factor uh, creating for others at times, too. It was just it was almost like he was in his head uh, that whole last year where he just did not look like himself shooting or creating and and the confidence kind of tumbled from there.
2: Yeah, he is a, an interesting prospect. The people are going to take that flyer on just because of his um, measurables and pedigree. But yeah, similarly to guys like, say, Nasir Little who came in with that sort of hype. He fell down in the draft board. Guys like Bol Bol who fell down as well despite productive seasons for different reasons. Like He's just that name, but that doesn't always mean that they get picked particularly high. Do you think that he's got a chance of a first-round uh, selection?
0: I bet someone takes him in the 20s, um, if I were to guess, because... There aren't too many six, seven guys that have shown that they can create and uh, create separation from their defender, knock down difficult shots. And it's not like his mechanics are broken at all. I mean, all of that part checks out and it's fine. So I would think just the size, the physical tools and the flashes, someone will take him in the first round.
2: Cody, that's going to do it for us for today's show. So tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and the stuff that you guys are doing over on the Locked On NBA Draft podcast and just general information.
0: Yeah, so be sure to follow us on Twitter at Draft Dummies. Sam does most of the work there, uh, but he does an awesome job providing content on Twitter. And then be sure to listen to us on the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. We also have the other hosts doing the other dates like Raphael who... Josh mentioned already, Uh, be sure to check us out. We're doing great work. This is the peak of the draft season as it approaches. So at the end of July. So be sure to listen to us there and follow us
2: on Twitter. Well, Sam will be back on the show. Not Sam. Sam was on a couple of days ago. Uh, Cody will be back on the show tomorrow to talk about some more prospects, including Sharif Cooper from Auburn. So make sure you're getting ready to see that. And the best way to make sure you don't miss an episode is to subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, the Odyssey app, but on YouTube. Go and hit subscribe down in that corner down there. Flick the bell, thumb up, leave a comment. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.
1: Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.